You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today I've got a full crew with me on the show. Got Brooks Childress and Cam Berry, as we do each and every Friday. Also got our intern, T.P. Hammock, with us today for the full show for the first time. So we're going to have a fun full crew here on this Friday edition of the show. We're going to have kind of a smattering of things, a bunch of appetizers, a bunch of little things on the menu today uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the big 12 media rights deal because this came out last week about the big 12 is not necessarily going to be playing all saturday games so we're going to kind of talk about major conferences and the slots that they always occupy and if we're going to be a fan of seeing some conference or some big college football on non-saturdays uh we'll replay an interview we had with brandon hutchinson on uh, wednesday we'll replay that Around 5 o'clock today, uh, the GM of Atlanta Motor Speedway as we get set for an, another NASCAR Cup Series race in Atlanta. We'll also unveil this week's Player of the Week. We'll also have a What to Watch for over the weekend. And also want to have a discussion today in the sports world about uh, professional sports and the leverage these players have against their teams, ownership groups, and that sort of thing about getting to direct where they get to go. This kind of stems this from be what's... Fun. Yeah, this, uh, this kind of stems from what's been going on in the NBA as uh, a couple of major stars, including Damian Lillard, Lillard, have requested trades in recent days. And uh, Lillard kind of demanding that he go to only one location. And so we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, the dynamic of that and, and how players have kind of directed uh, their leverage and kind of uh, gained knowledge of their leverage and talk about that across the major sports and if it's going a little bit too uh, far in one direction. So a lot of different things here today on the Friday edition of the show. Again, Ryan, Brooks, Cam, and TP. We'll start with you, TP, today. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I got to watch some Canadian football last night, and I was able to watch former Auburn quarterback and Auburn legend Nick Marshall secure a game-sealing interception for Saskatchewan last night. It was great. Uh, yeah, I, I saw the, the video that, uh, not to completely bore everyone th- with the details, but there, it should have been 11-11, yeah. and the guy let the ball go back uh, through the end zone and down to the end zone, which is a point for the other right. team in the CFL, That's, and then they throw the pick and lose 12-11. So it's actually a calamity of errors in the CFL, and I'm sure my dad watched every second of it. Brooks Childress on the show again today. Brooks, hey. how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. I want to wish everybody in the studio a happy World Chocolate Day. Whoa. Uh, I'll be I didn't cel- know that. Yeah, I'll be celebrating oh, tonight with a, a bowl of ice cream. 
Um, chocolate ice cream? Chocolate <sighs> ice cream, yes, absolutely. You like chocolate ice cream? Yeah. I've never been a fan of chocolate ice cream. I love ice chocolate cream. ice cream. I always think chocolate Whoa. ice cream. Yeah, I think that chocolate. That is a cardinal sin in my yeah, I think chocolate ice cream is very mid. Oh, my God. Man, yes. Cam. Wow. Sorry. I, and the thing is, I love chocolate in general. Big Twix guy, Hershey's bar, love it. Chocolate ice cream doesn't do it for me. Chocolate how, milk also doesn't do it for me. How would you feel about chocolate glazed donuts? Mm. Those are very good. Those are amazing because Krispy Kreme is yeah. doing some chocolate glazed donuts yeah, no, for two days are, only no those are top tier uh, this this today and tomorrow in celebration world chocolate day so no, if you're, yeah. you're looking for those that's out there also happy Taylor Swift uh, release Whoa. day for her new album speak now Taylor's <laughs> version uh, have not listened to all of it but I have I have listened to a couple songs and I know for a fact that a song uh, from the new album the new old album got played here on Tiger a little bit ago before we came on the air with uh, Tilly she played it one yeah. of the Emo. Yeah, because she did a couple songs. She did one uh, with collab with uh, Fall Out Boy and one collab with Haley Williams of Paramore. So a little crossover with some alternative uh, folks on this album. So I can't believe I'm about to ask you yeah. a Taylor Swift question on a sports talk radio show. Do it. But for 30 seconds, here we go. Did <laughs> On the re-record, uh-huh. did all the guests... Uh, or the collabs did all of them record re-record their stuff too? So all of those were the the two re- the two ones that are featuring Haley Williams and the, the other one that's featuring um, Fallout Boy. Fall Boy. Both are from the Vault tracks, so they never made it. She recorded them herself. And they never made it onto the first edition of Speak Now, and so then she decided she was going to collab with these with Fall Out Boy and Haley Williams and bring them in for the for the re-record for these tracks. I could ask what a vault track was, but I that's ninety vault seconds track. is enough. It, so it, it didn't. It, it, it means quickly, it didn't make it. Yeah, it did, it, she wrote the song back in two. Well, you know, whatever, whatever year that right. was that she released Speak Now. And it, but it just did not make the cut for the album, and so like they, all these artists do like so many songs, and then just if it doesn't fit the vibe when you're you're first doing it, they don't release it onto the the album. They kind of like stuff it away. Sometimes you'll put it on another album. Sometimes you just sit on it. Like, I think it was uh, you know, there Prince. There's still like new music coming yeah. out from Prince. Uh, um. Yeah, and I it's agree. it's like he's because that happened with Michael Jackson. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Juice World has a bunch. Yeah, of like, really, a whole new music. a whole album yeah. got released from stuff that he did yeah. not Juice put on has any albums. A bunch of stuff still. The um, Dang. okay. The, the one he used uh, the ESPN used as a college football anthem a couple years ago yep. was one that uh, didn't get released till after yeah. he was dead. Yep. It was it. All these artists they just write and write. And so you've got some songs that just don't make an album. Juice World, a true visionary, and, R.I.P. And that's why some artists are able to do, if they want to, albums like consecutive years for yep. multiple yeah. years because they, everyone low key has that many songs. They just got to determine that oh, yeah. they want to release half of them. And right. you get, you know, like Juice World, Michael Jackson, you get Prince, you get songs out after they're dead. Yeah. And you're like, how did this happen? Well, they recorded it, <laughs> but it's, they just never released songs it. Songs from above. Yeah. yeah. There's right. a, um, <laughs> there, uh, who's the actor? John Malkovich. Uh, yeah. uh, he, he did a movie uh-huh. that is not going to be seen until like 2100. Excuse me? Yeah, I, I saw this a couple weeks ago. He filmed a movie and they, like, the whole production went through it, but it's not allowed to be shown or anything put out until like 2100. Like, none of us will ever see it. It, it's going to be... Excuse it, me. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Everybody's going to be... TP's like, well, I don't know, man. Oh. I live a long time. I just, the, the younger kids Proper may. dieting and uh, <laughs> a healthy diet. Well, well like, I won't make it. 
I want to make it see that what in the world. Yeah. Man. So I want to. But you see, that's too far for me. If it's like 2050, okay. 2050s. That's where you draw the line. What? Yeah. No. No. Oh, hear me on. out here for a second. No. Hear me out. I. What is going on in the sports talk show today? I don't know. Uh, if you do it at 2050, okay, he might be, he might have passed away by that point. He might not. He might be like 95. I don't know. But if you do it like 2050, this generation still knows who that is. In 2100, like very few people are going to have actually seen him do a movie. They're going to be like, who is this? So, so the movies. Who, who is this again? John, John Malkovich. Nuk- I mean, you might be like, who is this anyway? But, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, he is at least a, cre- I mean, credible actor. He has been in some, some, some decent stuff. And so he's fairly well known. Again, it's not like he's an A-list, like top of the unbelievable guy, but. He's been in some stuff. Oh, yeah. He's, he's been like, in some he's, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. So it, the, the film it, is. It 100- a lot of stuff with Jason, Jason Statham. Yeah. yeah. So the film is called 100 Years. And he filmed it in uh, 2015, oh. and it won't be released <laughs> until it. November 18th, 2115. Yes, so it's going to be 100 years. I don't think I'm looking at it though. right now. I see it. As soon as I search his name, it pops up. It's the fifth thing that pops up. Yeah. I, I think I have something scheduled for that day. I'm <laughs> That's sorry. wild. I'm sorry, John. That's wild. <laughs> but it yeah. says upcoming movie, 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's it certainly movie. is upcoming. That's wild. Okay. Learn something new every day. That better be good. But it has to be, right? years for that that better be good it's dubbed as the movie you will never see and they're right about that what <laughs> again ah. like why I, just, I don't know i just think there's a little there's being extra sometimes so he made it in 2015 you see? yeah and it's not so it's gonna be released in 2115 so i will be 118 years old if i make it then when the movie listen you're you're going on this you're in this new diet and exercising <laughs> yeah. you may make it, I might make it. Mm-hmm. i'm not Great. but you may <laughs> What will be the state of Auburn football in 2115? <laughs> oh goodness. That's wild, man. Cam Barry's also on the show. Yes, Hardy, I am here. You've already heard from him a little bit. Cam, how are you today with this um, newfound knowledge of a movie you'll probably never watch? Well, I, I'm just going to say, you, you will I not. Will not <laughs> I will not be watching that movie. But, hey, uh, it's definitely interesting. And whoever that ge- whatever generation does end up watching it, hey, I, I, I hope it's a good movie for them. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, doing really good on a Friday and uh, excited tonight to be able to watch the debut of Victor Wimbenyama playing against Brandon Miller, um, the, the Spurs and the Hornets. I can't wait to, to watch that and see. Uh, the Summer League actually set a, um, I think they set a record with sold out tickets. I think they sold over 67,000 tickets or something like that. It's completely sold out the arena uh, where Victor's going to be playing. Uh, everybody wants to see this guy on the floor in the Summer League and um, see what he's really made of playing in the NBA. He's, he's excited to put on that Spurs jersey. Um, so I, I can't wait. And, and he's already had his first run in with. <laughs> With the celebrity, I was about to ask who plays better defense in the summer league in oh Vegas, Victor or his security guards? Oh man, it, uh, had a run in with Britney Spears already. Dude's been in America for like a week, uh, and and she already filed like a lawsuit against him. And uh, welcome all, to America, all, all this whole thing. And turns out, apparently, with the uh, security footage, that she actually hit herself in the face. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, so you know whatever that happens i'm what sure she'll world. drop the lawsuit but yeah i'm sure she was hammered <laughs> yes. so uh yeah it was um yeah i'm doing great uh glad to be here on friday and um let's do it 
Well, with that, with Taylor Swift, Britney Spears, and a movie made a hundred years or for a hundred years in the future, we're off and running on the Friday edition <laughs> of Sports Call. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out. We're going to recalibrate <laughs> and get onto the sports part of the program right after this. On the air, weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and TP Hammock with you here on this Friday as uh, we go right along here into the actual sports part of the program uh, today. Sports. Uh, indeed. So want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Big 12 meteorites. Not that there is some big figure to talk about or or anything that is absolutely shocking in there, but wanted to mention it as as form of a even larger discussion discussion about when all these big conferences and, and such play their major games. As the Big Twelve is reported by Ross Dellinger, who's now by the way departing Sports Illustrated. Uh, Ross Dellinger last week mentioned that in the new Big Twelve media rights deal that there could be weekday games for college football. In the Big 12, including on Friday nights. Of course, the Big 12 has talked about the possibility of playing a few games in Mexico City, both basketball and football-wise. They're certainly starting to do different things. We won't focus on that part of it, but rather the the weekday part of it. Would you like to see Power 5 conference games on weekdays, particularly on Friday nights? Well, not Friday nights. I I enjoy the Thursday night, and I could even roll with a Wednesday night, even though I know that's more of a Maction thing. But Friday night feels a little bit more sacred. That's kind of the high school footballs. um, That's true. That's their territory. Friday night lights. Yeah, I I know that there are Friday night games like the Mountain West. Shout out to, like, Boise State and all of them. I used to come home and watch them whenever it was, like, 11 o'clock at night, but I, I wouldn't want a Power 5 team to do it on Friday night because it feels like they'd be stealing the thunder at the high school, but Thursday and Wednesdays, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I agree with TP. <clears throat> Friday nights are just kind of uh, a high school football night. Everybody knows that. It always has been. Probably, you know, more than likely always will be. Um, so you're not going to get 
<clears throat> the most viewership probably on a Friday night. Now, Wednesday, I could probably work with that. A Thursday, I could probably work with that. Obviously, Saturday is always a college football Saturday, so that's, you know, always going to be uh, – Saturday is always going to be a possibility. Um, but those Wednesday and Thursday games could, could really draw some attention for sure on a, a slow Wednesday, a slow Thursday uh, where there's not too much on, and that's when you throw on a Power 5 game in, uh, in the Big 12, and, and that could absolutely be interesting and, and get some viewership on, uh, on ESPN. So I, I would be interested in that. But on a Friday night, no, not as interested. That's, that's, for, that's for high school football. What's also interesting is, all right, we think about where – uh, the parts in the country where high school football is the most important, certainly in the South, and then certainly in a lot of the Big 12's footprint. I know that Texas will be leaving the league here shortly in Oklahoma, but you still have multiple institutions in the state of Texas. You'll have TCU, Texas Tech, Houston. Uh, you'll have uh, a still a program in Oklahoma with Oklahoma State and, and programs all around that part of the country, obviously. And so we know how big of a deal – Texas high school football is. I think that it might be the king of high school football in terms of just just the amount of resources and care they put into it. I mean, right. yeah. uh, Friday Night Lights wasn't a team from Georgia. Uh, you know, it was a <laughs> team from Texas. So I, I think that that part of it is interesting. Now, look, I still think college football will do well. Is it set up for the most success on Friday night? No, because you are going to have some of those conflicts and – I would hate to see that kind of be taken away from the high school kids where, you know, we don't need to have the bickering in the household of, oh, I wanted to stay home and watch, you know, UT play tonight <laughs> instead right. of, but your son is the starting right guard. Ah, well, you know, <laughs> uh, Arch Manning. Uh, Arch Manning. <laughs> so, Whittiers. you know, you don't, you don't want those deals to happen. And, I think that Thursday night makes the most sense for for this part of it. Now, you could do a Friday night maybe in November, and that's why around kind of Black Friday they usually have games kind of all parts of the week because high school football has ended really in all states, at least for the majority of it. Now, there will be a few playoff games going through the month of November. The regular season will have ended, so you still get into some of that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that Thursday would definitely intrigue me. I'm not going to say no to more content throughout the week. Now, the problem with Thursday, though, is you're competing against the NFL all of a sudden uh, because of Thursday night football uh, and the NFL. And, uh, look, I, I know that the NFL has gone to different streaming uh, platforms and that sort of thing for their for their Thursday night package. But I certainly think that – the NFL has always been a ratings king and has still attracted the most attention nationally. So it would still be it would be market by market like anything, but right. it is something that college football would, would have to think about. And again, if you have the opportunity to watch uh, uh, let's say Texas Tech or Houston or maybe even A and M or the Cowboys on a Thursday night, look, I think the Cowboys are gonna win. And that's just me personally, but so then you start getting into Wednesday. All right, well, we're starting to get really early in the week at that point. And uh, as TP's alluded to, uh, smaller conferences have usually played early in the week. I think the Sun Belts played some Tuesday nights they before. They have, and now the wow. Conference USA is starting to do that. Right. And so, gosh, you know, that starts to get kind of funky. <laughs> I, like, on, as a premise, yes, I love more football and more nights. But as I speak it out loud, like, I'm just not – 
I don't know if there's an obvious marriage here between uh, a perfect fit on a night and and then important because again these are important games. I'm not trying to belittle Conference USA or Sun Belt Mac or whatever, but you can usually do without Miami of Ohio versus Buffalo. I mean, no, you let's usually not get carried away. You, <laughs> yeah. you can usually you can usually do without you know Western Michigan and Central Michigan. I know the state. I know those those campuses, those schools would want to beat the, uh, beat the others' breaks off of each other, but still. You know, nationally, you're not going to miss a whole lot on that type of stuff. If you start to get what could be for the right to get in the Big 12 title game on a on a Thursday night or Wednesday night, you know that would be uh, a little different. So, Brooks, what do you think about the the possibility the Big 12 um, might be starting to play in this future media rights agreement starting in 2024? Uh, some some games. On a, on a Friday night or, or it's at least some point that's not on a Saturday. Well, you've seen the Big Ten do it uh, in the last couple of years. They've had some Friday night football games. You've seen the ACC do it where they've had some Friday night football games. Um, and, and so I, I think that it's really the only – uh, the only two Power Five, or the, I guess the three Power Five conferences, three of the Power Five conferences, are the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the SEC, and the Pac-12. See, and the, usually the SEC will have like a kickoff game on a Thursday night, like Texas A&M versus Lamar, or Tennessee versus Akron, or something will be on a Thursday night. Uh, and so, but those are always, you know, the first of the year non-conference games hey we're getting you excited for college football here's a thursday night sec game on the sec network um i'm fine with it i i will say i'm i I do like your point uh that you brought up ryan with with um you know going up against that uh thursday night football slate because especially it used to be um where, where it used to be the uh, the Thursday night game on NFL right. Network was like, oh, here's Jacksonville versus yeah, now, Detroit. Yeah, yeah, but now they're, they're pushing quality I'm games. I'm going to say the yeah. Amazon got a hold of it. They got Al Michaels. They got Kirk Herbstreit on their calls. They're trying to get some more marquee matchups yeah. on Thursday night. Yeah. So it, it's a little tougher go. Um, but, you know, if, if you're the Big 12, I'm going to say if you're the Big 12, unless you've got – unless you're competing, uh, like you were saying, against the Dallas Cowboys right. in, the te- in Texas. Yep. Um, you're not the the a, a Kansas or I'm not even gonna go that low. Uh, a a Kansas State versus a Baylor game on a Thursday night is not going to you know unless they're both highly ranked is is not going to be something that even on Saturdays drawing national full national right. attention. Uh, right. And so you you kind of you would kind of concede losing to the NFL that night. Uh, to to get a game there, but I bet it won't even be as bad. Like I, I know that people. Obviously, love the NFL, but people do love their college football as well. You know what I'm saying? And, and as long as, like you said, they're not competing against the in-state team, like yeah. per se, then I think they'll draw enough viewership to where it, it would still be worth it. And it, and it feels like you know when you look on. I know the NFL is the the shield rules all, but it also kind of feels like that with the new Amazon deal. Unless it's your team playing that Thursday night game, there's not as much interest as the Sunday afternoon games, right? Because there's a full slate on Sunday afternoon on the, all three or all the both windows, and then you've got the Sunday night game, and then Monday night there's just nothing else. So on Thursday night, you um, there's there's still a really good, and I, I don't want to try to say like, oh, nobody watches Thursday night football, but it's it's still a really good crowd if, if, uh, uh, viewership. If you look on the the streaming numbers from last year, Amazon, they they had. Uh, big numbers, which backs up them going and getting Al, Al Michaels and trying to get some of these marquee matchups. 
but it's still the Thursday night game, even though there are some more bigger matchups, because it is streaming, there's still a, a part of the population that either won't commit to it or they are they say well I, you know i can be easier to find something else to watch if it's not my team playing so i i can see them moving around putting some games out there uh, on different nights of the week uh, i'm fine with it i love college football if we had college the the my favorite weeks is like late october to mid to late november where there is literally football Yes. All seven nights of the week, it depending if it's Sunday, if it's NFL or uh, college football. Uh, so I'm I'm fine with it, but again, like it it just depends on what night of the week you're going with. If you're going straight ahead against the NFL. So I was uh, doing some research because I thought about it, and I know that we were talking about the Big Twelve potentially playing on Friday, and I remembered something, and I checked. Uh, out of the first six weeks of the college football season, from week one to week uh, seven. The Big Ten has five Friday night games. So they seem to be going towards that Friday night uh, area. So I guess that's where the Big 12 got the idea from. Because these aren't terrible games either. Like Virginia at Maryland. They have a Wisconsin at Purdue. I mean, that that can't be uh, – that that won't be – you know, that will be really good to watch. And um, then week six, you have Nebraska at Illinois, you know, battle of corn. But, yeah, it should be pretty good. Battle of corn. Battle of corn. So it, it has been happening maybe more than we realize. I, you know, I guess I admit to me not being as alert to that now. I've certainly been aware, as Brooks pointed out a second ago, that the ACC is Florida with some Thursday and Friday night games. North Carolina's always had a game or two on a weekday, so that's been part of it. So it's already kind of started at some of these other conferences. I know the Pac-12 every now and then has a Friday night game. Uh, I guess we're just not as used to it here because the SEC is kind of the big holdout, and the Big 12 had been to this point too, uh, of not having the the games in the midweek. Because I personally, look, I, I've tried to think about it from the Auburn perspective. If Auburn was hosting, I don't know, Ole Miss on a Friday night or a Thursday night, what would be the extra appeal to that? I think Friday is still inherently more appealing than, than Thursday just from a fan standpoint because if I'm going on a Thursday night, well, then am I taking Friday off work? I mean, that's feels this feels like a weekend experience. College football always has been. So it's kind of like, well, uh, at this rate, you know, if I'm doing something that is on a Wednesday or Thursday, that doesn't seem to fit with everything. So it, Friday would be more traditional there. It's just kind of the standpoint of do you want to get in the way of, of high school stuff? I was going to say that uh, that's what's going to be my uh, next point was high school plays on Friday night. And if you're a college coach, where are you Friday nights during the fall? Usually recruiting. At a high school and, yeah. game. That's and a good so point. If, if you're the big, you know, if, if you're the, the big 12 and now you're, you know, say you're, uh, you know, say you're what, what's a, uh, I'll just say Steve Sarkeesian for the, the heck of it, even though he's not going to be here during that time. You've got a th- Friday night game, and you're like, I want to go watch Ar- you know, Arch Manning play Friday night. i got to go check out my recruit. You can't. you got a football game to coach. And it, it could be a really, you know, it could be a game where you're you're about to, you know, say you're about to offer him, and you're like, I want to see him one more time, and we may give him, you know, give this kid an offer. Well, this week there may be uh, Nick Saban may be at the game, and Kirby Smart may be at the game. And if you're not at the game and he sees that, hey, these two coaches are here and you're not, I know you're at a, you know, you've got to coach a game, but they're still here. And so 
So if I if I made it into an SEC and it, more specifically into an Auburn part of this because we're talking been talking about the Big Twelve, like how would you feel about Auburn playing a game on a non Saturday? I I mean Ooh. we we've had it before. I mean what what was it the Kansas twenty State. yeah Kansas State on twenty fifteen twenty fourteen something 2014. like that and then we had USC on a Thursday night in the mid two thousands wasn't it I, I think. Um, uh, maybe maybe that. not maybe I'm misremembering that but um, it was you know it, it it's kind of stressful you know and and it, it's you're you're at work and you're you're sitting there and you're like oh I, I got a football game to to go to tonight uh, if you're on campus um, you know it, it's you're you're Auburn you're setting up all those tailgates you're trying to have classes and people are outside barbecuing right outside your window in Haley Center and you got to smell those the the grills all day. Um, I think I think it affects attendance. I know that people would uh, would be excited for a Thursday night game and be oh under the lights let's go, uh, but it's it, I think it could affect attendance because not as many people are, would uh, be able to make that trip in just a short amount of time. You see, you know, you, you see all year long, uh, you've got basketball games that start on Tuesdays, Wednesday nights. You see baseball games in the midweek, and those are really late arriving crowds because people are getting off work, having to come in, and you know it it. it I'd be fine with it, but I just you know you know from a product like it, it wouldn't be the the same atmosphere as a Saturday where people have all day to get ready for it. Any other opinions and thoughts about if Auburn played on a non Saturday? I think it'd be weird. Um, you know, obviously, like like Brooks and TP have mentioned that there are instances where it happens, but especially in the sec i think playing i i feel like it would almost be sacrilegious if you didn't play on a saturday um i think everybody would be like what the heck is going on so i i don't think that would ever change i think it would be i think it'd just be too weird yeah i would have to agree i mean like i mean i could see it but i mean like it would just not be very good that next day on Friday, especially uh, class attendance numbers. I feel like would uh, plummet for Auburn University. But I mean, you also got to think, yeah, like Brooks was saying, the attendance because you know, like you have people that come from all over the state to come to watch Auburn, and you know they may have work that next morning, and you know like eight a.m. or nine a.m. They can't go to a seven twenty kickoff on a Thursday night. I mean, I know we love watching Thursday night college football games, but it's because. They're not our schools. We don't have to go to that game or we don't have to cover that game. You know, that's just for fun, you know, watching Pitt versus Virginia and all that. So I I think they'll stay away from it, though. I think that'd be for the best. Yeah, no, the more I think about it, uh, if it was Auburn, someone I was actively going to go to the game for wouldn't work out as well. Also, the, the work element to it uh, where college football games have been inching a little bit longer. That's not going to help the turnaround and that sort of thing. If you had it on Friday night, you wouldn't have to worry about some of those things. But again, you're conflicting with high school football. I think it's. I think it makes sense where it is. I don't think you have to try to jam it anywhere else. I think Saturday's been been uh, working just fine. We're going to go to our next timeout. Back with more sports call right after this.
want to call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Want more sports call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Sports Call Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress, and Cam Barry with you here on this Friday. T.P.'s got a Florida Atlantic shirt on. Were you a hashtag come to the FAU guy? Yeah, um, I loved watching Wayne Kiffin down there, and so whenever I was in high school, I applied there, and I got accepted. But the problem is it's about around nine and a half hours from yes. where I live. But I did go down there uh, about two years ago just to – Explore Boca Raton, I will say that is probably the nicest group of five uh, school you could ever go to. Very nice. Uh, people down there are super nice. Really good food, if you like seafood like me. Uh, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I went down there. I got this from their bookstore, and uh, it's a Peter Millar polo for y'all out there. <laughs> so it is, um, yeah, I'm wearing, I decided to rep FAU, but I was going to wear my Ohio State polo, but I... I don't know. I'm ADD, so I forgot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so TP, you're telling me that you you came to Auburn instead of going to the place that you could ride a bike to the beach. Yeah, well, you also got to factor in the uh, out of state tuition. Ah, so, I mean, <laughs> true. So there you go. Uh, that would have been uh, quite the uh, quite the dent. Understandable. Just a few minutes left here in hour number one. Again, coming up in the second hour, we'll of course have your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, we'll also get into uh, a couple of different uh, sports topics, such as the the player leverage in the major professional sports and kind of how that's been playing out over the last few years. Also reveal Sports Calls Player of the Week and much, much more. For now, though, we've got just, uh, again, like I said, a couple minutes left here in the first hour. Time for the birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Going to do a little bit of an abridged version today here <laughs> on this Friday. And again, we'll leave it at that. Joe Sockage, the Canadian hockey player, turns 54 today. 21-year National Hockey League career, uh, which is uh, decidedly very long. Hockey's one of those deals, kind of like baseball, where you can get to the low twenties in years played. Like it's you don't have to necessarily be like one type of Ironman. I mean, Yamir Yager played an excessive yeah. amount of time, and <laughs> and uh, so did Joe Sakic, who made the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame in 2012. And again, he turns 53 today. The great Ralph Sampson turns 63. Uh, one of the most dominant uh, college basketball players ever was seven foot four. Uh, at the University of Virginia. Go was, and There you go. And was the number one overall pick 
in the 1983 NBA draft by the Houston Rockets. Ralph Sampson. Fun uh, high school. Yeah, he went to Harrisburg High School. Go Blue Streaks. Blue Streaks. <laughs> That's a first. Yeah. Not, um, I had a comment pop in my head, but I'm going to save that. That's Yeah, yeah. You, you keep that one there. Keep it. Uh, again, uh, also was a coach and uh, an assistant for the Phoenix Suns uh, about a decade back in 2012-2013. Obviously a little bit of a disappointing NBA career, but an incredible college basketball player. Ralph Sampson turns 63 today. And Chuck Knobloch turns 55. Knobby. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, uh, being out of Houston, Texas, a career 289 hitter, just shy of 100 homers, 615 RBIs, 407 stolen bases. That's the type of speedster I'd want uh, off the Braves bench if you were if you were trying to make a deadline acquisition. Played seven years for the Minnesota Twins from 91 to 97, New York Yankees from 98 to 01, and finished his career with the Royals, four-time All-Star and four-time World Series champion. Won that one with the Twins in 91 and joined the Yankees at an opportune time in the late 90s. He played at... Uh... Bella, Bella Ray uh, High Bella School Ray, in yeah. Texas. Uh, go Cardinal. So. Go Cardinal. He's an Aggie. He was also an Aggie. So. Of Texas A&M? Yes. yes. And so Chuck Knobloch turns 54 today. And those are the birthdays in sports here on this Friday. All right. So just again, another minute or two. Uh, more Braves incredible stats. Speaking of baseball, just continue to pop across the uh, timeline. <laughs> oh, this I one retweeted? via Cam. Yeah, I was going to say, actually. I'm pretty sure I just retweeted uh, that. On pace for MLB record 313 homers. That is a, essentially two a game because 162 is how many we play in the sport. You times that by two, that's 324. So just shy, I mean, a scoat shy of two homers a game. Uh, so you usually get your money's worth. I think there's a streak going, and I don't know what it's up to. It's like 23 straight games where the Braves have homered, something like that. Yeah, that's not surprising. Sounds about right. I mean, it's just like just unbelievably gaudy numbers. If you're going like, to Truist Park, you're going to see one launched. Yeah, yeah good, absolutely. good chance. We uh, went to the game uh, again last Saturday at Truist. Got there about 15 minutes before. I uh, believe uh, First Baptist Opelika, uh, their choir was singing the National Anthem. Hey, look got at that. there in time for that. Small worlds uh, collide sometimes. And then uh, we're, we're glad we did not uh, get victimized by the traffic because the Braves scored six times in that first inning, including an Acuna leadoff homer. And uh, that's the other part of this for the Braves is that they've got like 92 runs, 91 runs in the first inning this year. I mean, just Just it, over man. a run per oh. inning. Um, Acuna scored like 26 in the first inning, it, which is just, in, just incredible. That's video uh, game numbers. Yeah, again, it's about like stupid. almost every third game he's scoring in the first inning. Um, it's 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 been tremendous stuff for the Braves, and so we've certainly – We'll talk about that. Home Run Derby's Monday night, correct, Brooks? Yeah. Uh, no Braves participating in that. 
So Monday we'll go through the, the – No little... Braves are participating? Yeah, they, they declined their invitation. They have their eyes on the prize. <laughs> That's right. They're okay. seriously – I think sense. they're legitimately locked into trying to get a World Series. No distractions. I, All I'm, right. Yeah, Acuna I really and Olsen declined from what, what I read. And I would have loved to have seen Ronald in that. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> he hasn't really performed yeah. well in the, in the home That's run true. derby in the past, but I think – he said he's going to do it again at some point. Okay. I think just kind of taking a year away because I think the last two years he's been out in the first round yeah. and he hasn't done incredibly well. Like just not, he's just not launching it well. But and I think that kind of has something to do with it. And I think also it has to do with I think they're just so focused on trying to get to the World Series. I think they're just locked in as a team that they were just like these, you know, the little side stuff. You know, obviously the All Star Game is a big deal and that's cool. But uh, I mean, outside of that they're just like we're not trying to participate in all this extra extracurricular stuff we're just kind of locked in you know who i would love to see from the braves because his home runs just seem like they're so hard hit is ozzy albies ozzy I I w- say like, he's 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 small but every home run that he's he seems to hit is a rocket he loads up on his i know swing. yeah no it's, it's impressive what a lot of those guys do i think the bit there for Acuna and Olsen. Olsen was not on the team when the Braves won the World Series a couple of years ago, and Acuna was not healthy and playing for the Braves when they won the right. World Series a couple of years ago. So I think that's part of the motivation there for sure. We are out of time for hour number one. Again, stay tuned. In hour number two, we will reveal Sports Calls Player of the Week, have a discussion about players and their leverage and, and contracts and trading in professional sports. And a little bit later, we'll re-air an interview with Brandon Hutchinson about Uh, This Atlanta Cup Series race coming up this weekend. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this now rainy Friday afternoon after we had a Nice quick thunderstorm blow through here. Almost lost power here. I got a little uncomfortable. A little little flash there. I think we're good now. But we're all good. I think it's already moving out. So that being said, if we lose power in the next 60 seconds, you can blame me, and uh, it'll be my fault. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. We go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? 
Well, peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love, everybody. All right. Peace and love. Okay. You obviously don't get what I'm coming from. Uh, you guys are old enough. Uh, today is the uh, 83rd birthday for Mr. Ringo Starr, one of the two remaining Beatles. And this is how he asked people to celebrate his birthday all over the world. 28 countries are participating. Uh, and he asked him to tell everybody peace and love three times. So that's why I said it, guys. All right. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Now you know it. Okay. So moving on, I enjoy your comments, especially about uh, the, uh, the non-Saturday uh, you know, uh, possible uh, football games. And I remember there were several, maybe more so, but at least two Iron Bowls were played on Friday. Yeah, they did that uh, kind of around uh, the. Obviously, it was around Thanksgiving. I think 2010's Iron Bowl it was was a Friday, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And then I think back in the uh, maybe late 80s, or early 90s, they had some throw on Friday at Iron Bowl. So uh, yeah, it's not easy for people who obviously uh, have to. But I think a Friday would be better than a Thursday. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I definitely logistically, the only thing there would be is you, you hate to. Take all the attention away from the the high school uh, sports, but but certainly, yeah, from a logistics, a work standpoint, everything like that, not having to go to school the next day, yeah, Friday would definitely be better than Thursday. Okay, Jonas, I'll uh, go to it real quickly here. Uh, you guys have been talking about it, uh, other people, besides about what does it take uh, for a team to be consistently, you know, uh, in the talk about. Uh, Playoffs, you know, in college world and championships and all that. And so, you know, I've heard uh, the common mantra has been, well, you got to recruit an elite level, right, to win. And then the opposite of that, I hear, well, you got to win in order to recruit an elite level, right, guys? Uh, to a degree. I mean, certainly a, after over time, yeah. Well, Philip Marshall's comment says, he says that doesn't add up in his eyes. He says, what I can tell you, he says, when I've, uh, talked to coaches and players, uh, he said they told him that a team's previous record is down the list what is most important to recruits. I said, okay. So then he goes on and makes and points out some examples. Uh, he picks on Texas A&M and Texas A&M. And he talks about how Texas, uh, quite often, uh, they seem to be on ESPNs, if not other um, you know, uh, uh, sports uh, channels, uh, that they're back this year. Every year, he says, the prognosticators believe Longhorns are back. Yet he points out that they've not really done very much since losing to Alabama in uh, at the end of 2009 season BCS uh, championship uh, game. He points out that Texas had five losing seasons out of 13, and they won 10 games just once. They've gone 8-5 and five the season for Kansas' second season, 2022. So that's example number one of why do certain teams get this all this love, but the evidence doesn't back it up? Then he goes to Texas A&M. He says they've had one outstanding season under Jimbo Fisher uh, since he arrived in 2018, going 9-1. You guys talked about that yesterday in 2020. It was quite a comic And then he goes on to say A&M has lost five or more games, five or more games in three of his five seasons since he's been there. Okay. Uh, yet they're in the preseason national championship discussion. He says, go figure. So go figure, guys. What is it about those kind of teams? But yet Auburn doesn't get near near that kind of you know love and that kind of you know uh, accolades. 
uh, money and uh, for A and M, and then still the overarching history of, of Texas. Like I, I know that the the recent last ten years, twelve years, like you said, has not been great. But I mean, Texas is still historically speaking a top six or seven program in the history of the sport. So uh, they they still have uh, a booster base, a money base that is as high as anyone's in the country, and. Texas still has that prestige to it. If it carried on another 20, 30 years where it just does absolutely nothing and and they they just they just don't have any success, then it'll start to change if it, if it keeps going on and on and on. But even though 12 years can be, 13 years can be a long period of time for us in, in some ways, it still doesn't overwrite the other 60, 70, 80 years where they were as relevant as, as anybody in the country really. So that combined with the money aspect of it again they care a lot and it's not to say that others don't care a lot but they are not allowing themselves to fall behind in in revenue and in resources to try and recruit so uh obviously just win loss wise it's not been anything special but you know i i think that there are other factors there a part of the winning uh, process of it where it's not just the wins and losses in the last several years. It's also what does history say that Texas can become and, and usually is. I think another thing that you can also – a lot of coaches will do it is, uh, especially with like big programs like that, is they pitch to the recruit. You know, let's say Texas A&M, they can really pitch to the recruit, hey, we weren't that good last year, but you can help us be back to what we were when we were 9-1. and one. Texas, you know, they went like 8-5 and five last year. You know, it's just like, hey – you know, we weren't that good. We were just missing these few pieces. You could be that few. You could be the piece that we were missing to get us to a Big 12 championship, to a college football playoff, or an SEC championship for Texas A&M. So you can really pitch to recruits, even if you do struggle. You can pitch playing time, and you could pitch that. Hey, you are the. You've been fact. there before. Yeah, and that, yeah, uh, we've it's been here. Very doable to get back. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's what. I think that's how they're able to still recruit at a high level. Well. Uh, guys, Auburn, what you said, can say the same darn things. Uh, you got, we, we, you can start right now. Uh, so the number of positions, uh, you know, that 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 doesn't seem to be unique to Texas or Texas A&M. And by the way, uh, we won a championship in 2010. We played in the 2013 championship game. Um, so I'm not sure that I see any uniqueness to Texas or Texas A&M's records. In fact. Uh, I don't even know why. Still, Jimbo Fisher gets all the uh, the, the love fest that he gets uh, from uh, the, the pundits, especially on ESPN. But anyway, like uh, Phil Marshall says, go figure. Because I sure can't figure it. Uh, but moving on, guys, uh, we've got some uh, big uh, players getting ready to, to make uh, some announcements. Uh, one of them by the uh, lives at uh, well goes at Pike Road, and you know I heard you guys and you're right. So we have been struggling. For quite a long time, uh, not now, and not even with Harson, but even with uh, a coach, uh, <laughs> Malzahn. Uh, but even coach, uh, Malzahn and other coaches with the Phoenix City, and I keep reading comments from uh, bloggers that uh, that the, the coaching staff there uh, does their best not to send or to promote uh, recruits uh, to Auburn. Do you know any of you see the credibility for those kind of? Uh, rumors? Uh, no, I, I, I've not really heard that. I mean, 
I know that some people with uh, with Knicks will try and say, well, since Bo had to end up transferring and and that sort of thing, maybe he doesn't want to because of that experience send people there. But that wouldn't be wouldn't be a very wise approach. And uh, you know, I again, if if someone legitimate like a Cole Pinkston or Jeffrey Lee said that, that would be one thing. But uh, you know, I I I think that's kind of speculation. Just trying to trying to make dots fit fit the line. Okay, because I just don't think there's any, you know, really credibility to uh, certain high school programs. But they said the same thing about uh, Auburn High School, right? Yeah, and again, that that one wouldn't just. I mean, and and Auburn has gotten some guys, not the highly touted guys, but they've they've gotten a few guys from Auburn High in, in recent years for sure. Uh, so again, I again, I think that's just trying to throw something at the wall to try and make it make sense. Okay, uh, well, there's a gentleman, he's a four-star defensive lineman from Pike Road, uh, his name is Malik Blockton. He's supposed to announce his plan to commit uh, at 3 p.m. Uh, you know the teams that are on the table for him? There are some pretty good ones. Uh, he's a yeah. he's a highly touted uh, – I know his – I know he's not highly ranked, but he should be a lot higher. But yeah, I'm not sure all of them. I know there's some pretty good teams. Well, here they are: Texas, yes; Alabama, yes; Auburn, Florida, and Troy. I'm thinking, okay, now I can get the other teams, but how does Troy seem to be a competitive for this? Uh, you know, this run for this guy uh, up against Texas, Alabama, Auburn, and Florida. It's close to home. It's a it's a program that you, you can good. you can offer him a immediate playing time there if he's if he's uh, lives up to the hype and it's 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 close to home. You'll see a lot of sometimes big time recruits have you know you know ex big you know big teams and then they'll throw another small team on there because it's a closer to home school. Yeah, I mean it, it, he will very likely not go go to Troy. It's just sometimes those guys uh, from locales that have the, have those coaching staffs have that university be recruiting them for such a long period of time it's kind of like a service to that school to say like hey you were the first ones to to offer me first ones to be visiting me and that sort of thing as a thank you for that you're going to be a finalist but uh 90 of the time plus they don't end up actually going there okay i'm just you know playing time okay close to school okay however if you want to be COTV a lot want to be able to go to maybe some championship uh, games um, and go to the NFL. I didn't think Troy would be one of those teams. Sure, and and again, like like we said, you know, the the, the couple of things we mentioned are going to be the main things that that would that really the only things that that the local school. I mean, it'd be same thing up someone out of the Birmingham area to, towards UAB. It's like, well, UAB can offer the location part of it. And they can offer, you know, playing time right away for talented players. But again, Alabama and Auburn are going to have them being everything else: prestige, opportunity to go to the league, NIL money, like, so on and so forth. So, you know, again, I think that more than anything, when you see stuff like that, that's just kind of a thank you for always, even before I was a big deal, recruiting me and 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 making me a part of the a part of the process. Okay, fair enough. And this guy's about the NIL. Uh, this comes again from Phil Marshall today, and I thought he had some interesting insights. He said that uh, he doesn't know if college is going to step in or not uh, to uh, go into this morass. <laughs> Excuse me, but he says SEC programs already agree in writing. I didn't know this to follow NCAA rules. 
Well, then he points out A&M, Arkansas, Missouri, have state laws saying they don't have to do it. We talked talk, talk about yesterday, Texas, uh, state of Texas, what they said. And he says, A&M has been the most vocal about taking advantage of that law. And he says, I can see the, the SEC, as the NCAA has already done, uh, declaring that league programs must follow established rules or suffer consequences. So we got a, a conundrum here, a dilemma here, right? Uh, what kind of consequences do you foresee that uh, Mr. Sankey might actually enforce if A&M, Arkansas, Missouri, uh, decide to not abide by the NCAA rules, which apparently, according to Philip Marshall, they agreed to in writing. Right, guys? Yeah, no, I I, I don't know. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't spent much time thinking about uh, those states and 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 how those schools are going to operate versus you know what what uh, what they're agreed upon doing with the league versus what the state law because all the different all the state laws are all different. That's part of the reason that people are, are so irritated with NIL because different states have different laws amongst even teams in the same conference. And, and so, really, I, I have not spent uh, a lot of time analyzing what what a result would be if someone gets mad about a practice for one of those state schools and and, and that sort of thing. Well, you know, what I, I was wondering is who's going to take precedence here? Who's going to be the uh, the superior, I guess, uh, rule of law here? Is it because they signed it according to Philip Marshall? Unless he's got it wrong, he says the SEC teams agreed in writing to follow NCAA rules. I mean, and now Texas says they don't care. Again, I, I, I'm no, I'm no lawyer. I think that uh, state. I mean, look, I don't know. I, I would have thought that state laws would would trump something from a, a business or from a an entity. Uh, however, if you've signed something, then that can make it legally binding. And I just, I, again, I don't know. How, how what the, it's like a poker hand of which hand beat which hand I I don't know the pecking order for uh, which which one would reign supreme if, if they went into an argument over it. Well, guys, do you think you guys or I don't somebody uh, sports writer uh, at upcoming SEC media days uh, might be willing to ask that of Mr. Sankey? I mean, someone at media days. Um, so I mean, someone is is liable to to ask something nil related. I don't know if it'll be. If it'll be that uh, specific towards A and M or Arkansas, one of those one of those state legislatures, but uh, again, I until it comes up, I'm not going to spend uh, a lot of time trying to to think about which one would would reign supreme and, and which one would win out. Well, I guess I'm you because you know it's, it seems like to me it's just getting uh, to the point where uh, it, you know it's, it's 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 gotten out of hand. And Texas now is coming in into the uh, SEC, and they said pretty much, well, A&M is doing it, we can do it too. And uh, the SEC commissioner, you know, the is going to have to decide, he ignores it, he's going to let them do what they want to do, or does he hold them to, hey, you guys signed an agreement uh, as part of uh, your uh, being in the SEC. I'm just going to see uh, who, who decides uh, how this turns out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, the uh, – Braves are playing your your team. Uh, you're going to be a, what I call the horse of a dilemma. Is that right, Ron? Uh, Tampa Bay, the the, Ray, the Rays are not yeah. my team. The Braves are my team oh, in not? Major League Baseball. Yeah. I like okay. the Rays. I mean, I, I like the whole area sports teams, but the Rays are, have never been my favorite team in Major League Baseball. All right. 
So are we going with a sweep by the Braves or a... No. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. No, uh, no sweep. The Rays have actually lost five in a row, which makes me think they're absolutely due. I, what, nothing <laughs> would... Nothing would surprise me. Even the Rays winning the series would yeah. really, genuinely, would not surprise me. I, the Braves Top are two going teams to in baseball. Braves are going to lose another series at some point, and a team that has been great all year until this past week uh, still makes a lot of sense to me if the Braves don't play as well. But uh, it'll be a fun series, and it, it will be a great barometer test for both teams. Okay, uh, do you think we might see them in the World Series? It's very possible. Yeah, I, I said yesterday. You know, I. I just don't always love teams like Tampa in the in the playoffs for whatever reason. The you, you would think this doing the small things well would help you out, uh, but sometimes those teams just get out talented sometimes and they get bogged down and and uh, you know I think Tampa's really good, but like I still even though some of these other teams like like Houston have not had the seasons they've wanted to have, I think Houston would still be very tough. I think Texas versus Tampa would be a really good series. Uh, and then even someone like the Yankees, if Judge were healthy, because the Yankees have treaded water okay uh, without Judge. They're still 8 or 9 over 500. Uh, if they got Judge back and playing to his capability, I mean, even that would be a, a series I wouldn't be sure about. So I'm not trying to discredit Tampa Bay. They've obviously done a great job, and they should be applauded for winning this many games with a lower budget. But, I mean, they, they have had plenty of good teams. They've only been the one World Series, and – and, you know, I, again, the baseball playoffs, anything can happen. Right, anything can happen. Um, what, what do you see the likelihood that Atlanta somehow chokes and doesn't make it? Doesn't make the World Series? I mean, still yeah. a better chance than we would like to have. I mean, again, the, the Braves, the team that won the World Series was an 88-win team. And then last year's team won close to 100 or around 100. And didn't didn't end up winning a series, and then you've also got teams go back to the first version of the dynasty Braves, the the '90s Braves. Uh, sure, the '95 team was great, but they also had a couple hundred win teams that that did not win the World Series. So, uh, unfortunately, it, I I think the Braves are the best team, but what that will be worth, how healthy will they be when when the moment matters the most, is yet to be seen. Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, what's going to be their kryptonite. Sure, I, I think if anything, maybe maybe if they're not healthy enough pitching wise, because I think they're going to hit no matter what. But can they get enough playoff pitching? Because they still really want to have Max Fried back. He's been out since April, and he is their best pitcher when healthy. And so, if they get him back, if he gets locked in again, that's going to be very important because some of these other guys the Braves are going to rely on are young, like Bryce Elder. This is like his first full year, and even though he's been great, will he be great in his first postseason? Not necessarily. So I think I would feel a lot even more confident if someone like Max Freed was healthy. All right, guys, that's it. I do thank you for your comments and thank you for the time that you uh, give me every day. And uh, have a safe afternoon and evening and enjoy your weekend. And uh, peace and love. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Have a great weekend, sir. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our first time out. In the 4 o'clock hour coming up, we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Canberry, and our intern T.P. Hammock with us here on this Friday. Before we get to Sports Call's Player of the Week, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, did y'all we'll see what happened uh, with uh, the new NBA uh, draft uh, player for the Seventh uh, Sunday Spurs, Wimbledon uh, uh, Mbiyama? Yeah, Victor Wimbiyama. Yeah, the uh, the uh, stuff with Britney Spears uh, out there uh, with the uh, security detail uh, looking like. Uh, uh, he hit her, but then the video suggesting maybe not. I don't yeah. know. I haven't seen the video, but uh, yeah, it's been been something else. I mean, that is that's you know that's really out there because I mean he's an upcoming NBA basketball star, and there's things for these new NBA athletes to never approach a higher person in in you know in hollywood or in music or um you know like a like a former nba star or former wnba star there's things that most people wouldn't like consider doing yeah so i i, I think uh, here's what here's what happened uh, victor women yama was was walking away kind of walking to the next destination type of thing and then Britney Spears came up from behind him and just kind of tried to tap him on the shoulder try to get his attention maybe she wanted a picture or something and then the security detail without looking made kind of an arm swinging motion and might have made some contact there so uh, I don't think that uh, women Yama you know it was definitely Britney Spears going up to him and then women Yama did not hit uh, Spears in any way if, if there was any anyone hitting uh, Brittany, that it was the security detail just trying to, as they do when, when people, they didn't even look, when people try and go up to someone like that, they just try and swat them away, that sort of thing. Yeah, because I, I um, you know, I, I feel, you know, the same way about me. You know, most people, like most of my close friends, they want to, you know, hang out with me or try to take pictures with me or something like that. I just like, you know, you know, when people come up to me and ask me if they want to take a picture with me, I always ask them, you know, just please, you know, ask for my permission first because I don't know what you're going to do with my picture. I don't know if you're going to post it out on any social media sites or anything like that because without my consent, you know, I, I just feel that's in my safety as well. Sure. And like, if you're, if you're going to put a picture out there, there you're, you know, it's going to be something that you want out there, like something you would post on Twitter or Facebook or something like that. And not someone else trying to post something of, of you that you didn't want. 
Yeah, as well, because, you know, most of the times, like, um, when I'm actually uh, singing, like, uh, karaoke, most people, they take uh, videos of me actually, you know, singing, like, a song or something, and they might, you know, post it, like, to, um, like, a, you know, they, they want to post it for, like, um, an artist or somebody, you know, that they know in music, so they can, you know, like, actually, you know, ask me if they want me to you know, like get more, uh, you know, like get my voice more, like get it better than what it is now. And now it's just like, no, I, I've been singing all my life since I was little. So there's no help with that. So James, you said you do karaoke. You got any, you got a favorite song? I'm just curious. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well actually one of my go-to songs when I do karaoke is, um, all by myself by Celine Dion. It's one. It's one of her most uh, movable songs. It's one of her most powerful songs as well. And in that song is actually talking about um, her life. You know, seeing her life. You know, from looking looking at her life from the outside in. All right. As well. All right, and that's uh, that's a big favorite of yours. I like it. Uh, what else is on your mind today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some more uh, summer league. Uh, games as well and uh seeing uh what's really going to happen before uh the championship game that's going to be coming up in a few months from now yeah big uh the summer league in vegas gets started tonight is there a a game a a game you're interested in watching tonight um i'm actually gonna watch uh, my dallas mavericks so i'm gonna i'm actually study them very hard and uh seeing uh what what key um, pieces that we need for the 2024-2025 season of next year when it actually comes available for the Dallas Mavericks and the Texas Legends as well. Yeah, see who who got who you can uh, pick up with those Mavericks. See see your new draft picks in action and uh, uh, see them uh, see them for the first time in a Mavericks uniform. That that'll be exciting. What else you got on your mind today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at. Um, the upcoming race in Atlanta and seeing um, how this is actually going to play out because this is almost close to the playoff spot as well. Yeah, we got about seven or eight races left until the playoffs and got a race under the lights in Atlanta Sunday night. Yeah, so this is going to be the first time ever in Atlanta Motor Speedway's history to ever have a night race save done it in the past but this will be the first time this year in nascar sports history in atlanta to ever uh, host a night race as well yeah they've got two races there this year they've already run the first one and that was in the daylight making this one the first one at night in atlanta this year yeah so i think this would uh take the history for this year and uh seeing um how it's really you know, going to uh, test the driver's uh, mobility as well. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of a drafting track, so it kind of functions a lot like uh, Talladega and Daytona, so there'll be a lot of cars close together. Yes, as well, and I've already got my uh, fantasy uh, NASCAR fantasy lineup, so I got Chase Elliott winning the whole entire thing on uh, Sunday as well. And we would love to see that. We, uh, we do like Chase Elliott. What else is on your mind? Well, I actually have some great uh, video game news that I just actually got yesterday. They're actually announcing the NBA 2K24 cover um, 
for this year, and guess who's on the front of the cover? I believe I saw this. I think the Legends Editions is, is uh, Kobe Bryant. Yes, it's Kobe Bryant and the Legends Editions for the WNBA on two K on NBA Two K Twenty Four is Sabrina Inescu from the New York Liberty, and I think I'm gonna wait for that one to actually drop out, and I'm actually gonna be playing playing it pretty pretty much. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of us will be playing a lot. Very exciting. I like what they did. Uh, with having the Michael Jordan cover for 2K23 last year and then honoring number 24, Kobe Bryant, for 2K24. I think they're doing a good job with that. Yeah, because with this one, I think this one is going to have um, – it's going to actually have like a skill – it's going to have like a, a game-by-game basis of uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, starting career. So you'll start with him like his – you know, like when he played in, in college and – uh, you'll go through the ranks of his of his uh, total journey from college all the way up to the NBA as well, and uh, actually making him go to the uh, the Olympics as well on this one as well. Gotcha. Yeah, he he actually uh, did not intend college. He only, he came out of a Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania, uh, and then went straight to the the NBA. But maybe they'll have something about that, and and maybe the Olympics or something like that. Yeah, because I know um, when they when all these NBA uh, games, they're the challenges are very very hard. So they're very like well put together. So they're they're really some of them are easy, and then some of them are like in between. And then once you get like to the end of it, that's when you just gotta put you gotta put all your effort into winning a game as well. Absolutely. Well, James, before we let you go, do you have any uh, final thoughts today? Um, no, I do not have any final thoughts uh, for today. All right, James. Well, we hope you have a great weekend, man, and we'll talk again next week. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We now keep it on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, we got Sam from Pell City. Sam, how are you doing today? Uh doing well um i had a um i had a question what do you think the ex what do you think the expectations for jabari smith and the rockets should be for this upcoming season yeah no that's a great question i I, i'm hoping i'm hoping that they play team basketball for a change and don't have just a a dribble dribble shoot dribble dribble shoot and and that sort of thing. But yeah. I, I think that uh, for the Rockets with Ime Udoka taking over as head coach, I think there's a great discipline that he's going to bring and bringing in a more veteran player like Van Vleed. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I really love the Dylan Brooks signing, but I don't love Dylan Brooks at all, period. <laughs> so I'm not the guy to judge that one. But uh, I, I think they will have much more structure to what they're doing. And then they'll start to be able to appreciate the, the, the little things that Jabari does, the rebounding, the defense, which is kind of well ahead of his age a lot of young guys don't defend the way that he does and then I think the biggest key for him offensively is being able to make a little bit more of those spot up threes to start off with obviously at some point in his career I want to see him put it on the deck and 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 make drives to the rim and that sort of thing but I was a little disappointed in his three-point shooting last year so I want to get that fixed first offensively and then he can kind of get into uh, what he can do or dribble pull-ups and that sort of thing the Rockets also uh there were some times where they would put Jabari Smith at center and it was just really 
wrong. Like, he's a power forward, and he's not a center. So I think Ime is going to be able to fix that and get straightened out. I think the Rockets will be much, much better than last year. Yeah. Uh, do you think they'll be, like, in eight seed or something, or do you think they'll miss the postseason? I, I could see them sneak into like a, the 10 seed in the play-in. I, I really don't think that they'll be ready to take the step all the way uh, into the playoffs. Again, I know Van Vliet's solid, and and uh, uh, certainly the talent there, I mean, uh, certainly a couple of those guys are going to end up being all-star caliber players or close to it at some point. But the West has a lot of teams. When I, when I think of the teams that just like aren't going to be good at all, not many come to mind. I mean, Portland, once they tra- assuming that Lillard does get traded, will we'll probably not be good at all. Uh, someone, I, I don't know, like um, I, I guess when you think about Utah, are they going to? Is there anything about them that's going to be inherently better? You know, Hornets maybe might not. not. Be great. Um, what do you say? Hornets. Well, might they're not in the be, East. We're talking. Oh, you're talking w- about West. Excuse teams, me. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, so you know, I, I think that. Really, in the Western Conference, not many teams have the intention of tanking or, or being bad last year. So, if best case for them, I think they can get the play in. Uh, but again, they need that maturity to go ahead and start to come to a head with with Eme there. Yeah. Um, do you think? Um, do you think a Golden State is going to improve with the signing of Paul? Yeah, so I think that that is such a fascinating thing for them because they are kind of scrapping the two timeline plan a little bit, and they're they're getting a guy that that Warriors fans have long hated in Chris Paul. You know what they ask him to do is going to be completely different than what anyone else is asking to do. I think they're going to bring him off the bench and not start him. I think they're going to play him twenty to twenty five minutes a game and. Really, the deal is this. Jordan Poole statistically is going to have a great season next year, but what Golden State is wanting uh, in the post pull era of their bench and that sort of thing is to have some more uh, basketball IQ to be more calm in situations and to just not turn the ball over at the rate that they have in the past. And I think having Paul out there might help along the last couple of standing young guys like Moody and and Kaminga. It might actually create them better shots and better opportunities with that second unit. So, look, the health is going to be an issue, obviously. This is a much older team than the average team. But I I still love their starting lineup. Klay Thompson, despite having a bad postseason, hit the most threes he's ever hit in a season last year. Steph has still been tremendous. Wiggins missed a lot of time for him last year, but he's been good as a warrior. Uh, Draymond had a good defensive year. Uh, and then again with that bench, Gary Payton for defense being back, Looney's rebounding, and then Chris Paul's organization. I think there's a pathway for them to still continue to be be really good, but just how many games do they get out of that Curry, Thompson, and Paul trio just given that they are aging the way that they are? Yeah. I don't know why they had to trade Jordan Poole. He was a great player. Um, like, 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 I realized he was coming up for like a big paycheck. But. Yeah, no, I, I think with Poole, uh, what has been uh, interesting is that the the fit seemed to be a, a little a different, chemistry. Th- right? A little different than what they wanted. Now, I think that a lot of it would be a non basketball reason. Yes, we lost uh, Sam there. Uh, feel free, well, I guess you can't hear us, but feel free to, to call us back, Sam, and if you'd like to continue this uh, briefly. I, I think with with that, 
to the Draymond punch when you lead, when you read everything going on, I just don't think that w- that was salvageable. I think that when you look at what uh, everyone was thinking and feeling, I think they did the best they could yeah. last year, and they act, Poole acted very professionally to get through the year. He played all 82 games. Draymond, on his end, tried to make amends. But when you punch a teammate, that's a barrier of trust broken that it's hard to ever recover. And I, I don't think that they were going to recover it, and that left Golden State with a, a tough choice of – this guy in Draymond Green, who's been very polarizing, but has been the second or third Winter. biggest reason yeah. that you yeah. have what you have, versus a guy in Jordan Poole that obviously you would hope would grow into Baby Curry or be the next wave, a part of this second timeline. Yeah. But but the reality is is that they're trying to max. They know who Steph Curry is, and they know who Clay Thompson is, and they know that this window is the window to try to chase. This is the window to try to maximize. And it's not getting many bigger. It's only got a couple of years left. So they figured we need Draymond more than Poole, and Poole's going to score millions of points for Washington. But the style of play is not what's going to help us win the title or try to compete for the title these next couple of years. It's a tough choice, and and Golden State might end up being wrong. I mean, they just might end up in five years. They might they may not not go back to the finals with this group, and then Poole might end up being a first or second right. team player, and they they regret huh. it immensely. Yeah. But but I still think I certainly understand the angle they're coming from. Uh, and with Paul, it just gives them something that they've not had since Livingston, where there's just St- going to be a guy in the second year, right? A yeah. smart basketball guy to not do stupid things, uh, right, and, yeah. and and they have lost even with Poole. By the way, they lost the Curry minutes badly last year. Poole was not as good off the bench. He was great as a starter when Curry was injured, but Poole off the bench was not very helpful to what they were trying to do. Uh, and their offensive rating was something like 110 with Curry on the floor and 89 with him off. So that's yeah, kind of... Yeah, have that kind of drop-off. Right. I mean, you, you know there's going to be some drop-off, but if Poole is really you know, living up to what people are wanting him to jump into, then it's not that big of a gap. It's it's 110 to 99 or 110 yeah. to 97 or something. It's not it's not 21 points of difference. And so he clearly, despite having some some point numbers that were good, they would tell you one last thing of the Warriors. I'm going. I know I'm going too long. Is they if you talk to those guys reading some articles, they would tell you that Poole didn't he for whatever reason he didn't understand the moment. Right. Like he didn't understand the time to take the D three. Yeah. yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. understand when to cool it and, right. and try and organize something. He just was off beat, off rhythm, and yeah. that again, that young stuff, right? That yeah. and that also comes through the chemistry part of the Draymond punch. And a lot of it can 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 go back to there. But uh, again, certainly appreciate the the call there. That was uh, Sam from Pell City there. Starting to run low on time for this hour. Uh, as promised, let's get to this week's player of the week. U.S. Men's National Team forward Jesus Ferreira is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The young forward made a statement in last week's CONCACAF 
Gold Cup matches when he scored two hat-tricks against St. Kitts and Neves in Trinidad and Tobago. This made some history for the team, as it was the first time a men's national team player scored a hat-trick in back-to-back matches. With the win, the U.S. men's national team was able to secure Group A in the group stages of the Gold Cup. Jesus Ferreira is Sports Golf's Player of the Week. Thank you very much to TP there for recording that for us. And Jesus Ferreira, this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Brooks, you're the only one out of the uh, the group here to see him live yeah. this past week. How was that? Uh, it was exciting. Um, you know, it was first uh, U.S. Men's National Team match for myself, and so it was a, it was a great atmosphere up there in Charlotte. But yeah, it was you know it was fun. Um, you know, you, you can look at it on from one angle and say he scored three goals against St. Kitts and uh, Nevis and Trinidad and Tobago. Big whoop. But also, it's hard to score three goals in a match no matter who you're playing. Sure. And especially to do it two games in a row, um, uh, it, it's it's a pretty big feat. Obviously, no U.S. men's national team uh, player has done it in a while. Um, but it is it, it's it, great performance. Um, he's really stepped up, and it, it's really started to have some uh, produce some conversations around the soccer sphere. Of uh, the U.S. has really been looking for a striker uh, for the uh, a true striker for the last few years. After you've had the retirements and and kind of downfalls of Clint Dempsey and Josie Altidore, uh, you've really been looking for a, a, the number one striker, and you just haven't been able to find that in the in, yet. And Jesus Ferreira. Uh, with these two performances, uh, it, it started to create that conversation. If he could be the the guy, he could be the 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 guy that steps up and is is the big striker for the U.S. And so it, it's you know seeing what he's done in these last two matches, uh, phenomenal. It it, it was it, hopefully you can keep it going into this weekend. You got the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup this weekend. The U.S. taking on Canada, who they just beat in the uh, in the Concacaf Nations League final a few weeks ago uh, for a trophy. And so these Canadian players, uh, they're going to want some revenge. And it's it's a it's a pretty big match this weekend. So you'll have to see if, if they can keep it going. But it, it big big performance, Jesus Ferreira. You can't uh, even though it's two smaller countries in the Caribbean you can't discount the performance it was phenomenal yeah again as you mentioned I think the important part there is we talk about Pulisic with the national team a lot that, that he's not always responsible for a ton of goals yeah. since he is a, a midfielder he's obviously incredible fast midfielder and sometimes you play him up a little bit more but he's not always scoring a lot of goals for you plus so he draws a lot of attention sure sure and so you need a striker as you said to replace the previous generation up Dempsey, out the door, Landon Donovan, if you want to go a little further back than that. And uh, certainly like two hat-tricks in, a, in anything, but especially even in a tournament where U.S. is trying to defend their gold. We are out of time for hour number two. When we come back in hour number three, we're going to have that discussion about professional sports and, and the leverage that players are trying to create in the various leagues. A little bit later, we will replay the interview from Wednesday with Brandon Hutchinson of Atlanta Motor Speedway and talk about the Cup Series race coming up Sunday night and a what to watch for over the weekend a packed hour number three so stay tuned more sports call after this Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and our intern T.P. Hammock with yeah. us here today. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to replay the interview with Brandon Hutchinson, the general manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway, talking about the events this weekend in Atlanta as uh, getting set for more Cup Series action this weekend. That's coming up in just a few Did you do this? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who who do you think did that, Cam? I wasn't sure. It might have been Ryan, but I had a a hunch. Who do you think did that? I put golf on the TV. Cam hates golf. God, it's just so boring. I mean, it's the John Deere classic. You know, Ah. hold on. My roommate, who is is on vacation right now, he works with the Robert Trent Jones Trail. So whenever I get home and he's home from work, I, I watch golf with him and I mean, you just gotta appreciate, you know. Can, it's just, I, it's very calming. Can you your know? roommate get us some some discounts? Discount uh, around? No comment. Oh, <laughs> that means he can, that and TP's yes. holding out on us. <laughs> that might be a yes. You'll have to unlock that with the TP Hammock Plus uh, oh. subscription. So. <laughs> it's, it, get it with an evening with TP Hammock for the yeah, VIP yes. experience. Yes. Uh, if we have time this hour, we will. Uh, get to our discussion about uh, professional sports and the players trying to really want to have gain their leverage. I, I know you do, but uh, we do go back to the Auburn Bank phone line now at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, we got Jackson from Montgomery. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. War Eagle on the fine Friday afternoon. War Eagle. War Eagle. Um, I was listening earlier and we were talking about uh, – the movie we won't see in a hundred years. Do you think you can pre-order a seat for your bloodline <laughs> down the line? Yeah, I want yeah. I want my great grandson to yeah. uh, have front row seats. I don't so. know if Fandango's got yeah. that one yet. If you've you've got in the will to my grand grandchildren, you've got the house. You've got a nice front row seat to this movie <laughs> at the CMA Theater or something. They're gonna they're gonna change the name of it. It's gonna be something completely different. Just all the different letters. Yeah. It's like my dying wish my grandkids you must watch this theater i've been waiting for for 10 years to 100 years pre-ordered y'all y'all gotta go see it and just be the most absolute garbage movie <laughs> <laughs> but uh i wanted to talk I've, i hadn't been calling in this week but i saw it this last weekend uh the lakers the lakers uh what y'all thought on them uh two things resigning d'angelo russell we saw them uh actually benched him in the in the playoffs, and he was a liability on defense. And I was surprised they, they signed him back for three years. Yeah, and he, uh, I think it was a uh, something like a two-year $35 million deal, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. I, I look at it as a bet on either he will uh, be productive for them offensively and, and be uh, a little bit more of a scoring presence, or – he might be used in a trade, and that salary might be able to be aggregated to 
uh, to, to pick somebody up there. I, I know that uh, after what he played like in the postseason, again, people do forget he had a very important shot in the Golden State series in game one, sure. had a scoop shot to uh, scoop shot to take the lead late there after the Warriors had made that furious comeback. But obviously after that, things went south. He'd been fine for them in the regular season, though. So I, I think with Russell, it might be more of a matter of uh, if uh, if Vincent does end up playing well, maybe Russell can be traded for for depth at a different position. Okay, I, I just found it interesting. As well as uh, they re-signed or they not they signed uh, Cam Reddish, uh, former I believe he was either eighth or tenth round pick from Atlanta out of Duke. And with Cam Reddish, I kind of want to elaborate more. Uh, he was projected. Some projected him to go over Zion Williamson and John Morant, and his talent was skyrocketing, but he's not seen much playing time and not much uh, court time. Do you see him panning out for the Lakers, or if not, what does he need to work on? So Cam Reddish, his biggest thing in the past two places where he's been, but really three places since he he was started with the Hawks when he got drafted, um, but out of high school he was actually considered technically to be one of the, the more talented uh, players coming out of high school. But it seems as though he's had trouble really accepting uh, a role that he can kind of fit into, you know, like a mold with these teams, with the Hawks. You know, he seemed like he wanted a bigger role when it he didn't really earn the minutes to have that role. Um, with the Knicks, it seemed, uh, you know, he, he kind of fell out of the rotation, would be in and out, uh, seemed to have issues with Tom Thibodeau and, um, and just, you know, not playing team defense, fitting, again, fitting into a role. Uh, and then same kind of with Portland. He never saw the court much. Uh, and just it, it seems like he's having trouble just accepting, you know, I guess the type of tier player he is. His talent has always been through the roof, but it seems to be where he's really going to end up being a potentially 3 and D type of player if he can really lock into that role. Um, then he'll be fine. I think the Lakers are trying to see if they maybe can tap into that potential and um, and maybe give him a give him an opportunity to uh, get his career back on track. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think uh, I was a little surprised that the Lakers were the one that took the flyer. I knew someone would. I thought it might be Golden State honestly because they like those type of players where they can, you know, they kind of see a project and they can make it in because he definitely has the talent. You know that and. Uh, but I think he would fit that Warriors mold. But I think he'll do great with. Uh, I think he will. Uh, hopefully, Darvin Ham will be able to mold him into what he needs to be, where he can fit in. And if not, then I guess he'll be looking for another team. But he's not on a big contract. I think he got the minimum. Yeah, he he's he's uh, he's close. If I don't know if it doesn't work with the Lakers, I'm not sure um, he will get another opportunity. I mean, this is his fourth team in in as many years i think maybe mm. um and so it it's concerning uh but i mean he definitely could be trending to get out of the you know not be um you know a, a, at least a, a high level player in the league at, at this point yeah he, he i mean i i want to say he's almost trending to not being in the nba but he's such a high draft pick that he he might still be able to be fine but he's not starting the signing these long-term deals so teams are trying to take flyers on him to see if maybe he'll be worth something or if he'll be able to have and reach that ceiling that a lot of people saw in him uh when he was drafted i think he was drafted 11th overall uh when the hawks took him and so we'll we'll see though yeah, I just found it interesting because he was so talented 
at Duke and Extremely. Uh, all the Braves and his, his, his window. It seems like his window is closing yeah. as the league goes, which is uh, staying on the NBA. You know, I'm a big Miami Heat fan. Uh, what package do you think they'll throw in for Damian Lillard to finally get this show on the road? Yeah, this is something that we, we did want to hit on today if we had time for it, so we will spend a second on it for sure. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a very long, drawn-out conversation that's been had around the league where I just don't think Portland's preference is Miami. Like, in a vacuum, they, they just don't like what Miami has to offer because they don't really Kinda like does. Hero. Yeah. Uh, Hero is someone that is team by team, whether you like him or not. Uh, so it's not like a uniform, like, oh, this is a great asset to get. And also with Portland's point of view, they already have some guards that are young and that they're ready to play a lot yep. of. So I, I think that for Miami, what they're what they're going to offer is, I mean, they're going to try to get away with, with offering as little as they can because they know Lillard wants to go there and Lillard's agents threatening other teams and, and doing all this w- wild stuff. It's got it's great for you. I mean, Jackson as a Miami Heat fan, it's great. Sounds great. Um, I think that ultimately it's going to be a three team trade. Yep. Hero's going to go somewhere where he's more valued. Uh, Portland will get a young player or two from that third team, and then Miami will be sending. I think they've got two first-round picks they can offer plus a pick swap, and that will probably go to Portland. And I think there's some salary filler in there. Kyle Lowry might have to be in that deal. Duncan Robinson might have to be in that. One one of those two, Robinson or Lowry, will have to be in the deal for salary reasons. But um, You don't think they'll trade Hawkes or Jovich? Uh, they could. It depends on if Portland um, or Hightower. Port- it depends on what Portland gets out of the third team for Heisman, Hero. Heisman, not um, it, yeah, it might- yeah, I've yeah. heard that. I've heard Jokic is in the or Jovic, the fake Jokic is in the trade talks <laughs> as well. Yeah, those those just just being young assets. I don't know how Portland feels about Jovic. And Hakez, Hakez seems counterintuitive because he seems like he's a, a rookie prospect that's like more fit for the Heat than he is for the Trailblazers because he's a little bit of an older guy and already seems more NBA ready. So uh, I guess he's still ultimately he's like 22. So yeah. it's like it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really matter. He could still Four be a quality NBA player. But I think that that made a lot of sense for the Heat because they are in. Uh, a mode right now where they're very competitive whereas a team rebuilding probably doesn't like his ceiling because i don't know if his ceiling is that high i think it's just that he's got a very high floor and it's going to be going to be fine in the league so uh, you know all those things will be on the table clearly portland does not love that that assortment of package but also clearly uh lillard and his agent are, are trying to force that to happen okay staying on the nba this is a you know the coaching carousel it was, Budenholz getting fired, Monty getting fired. Um, I know someone in that room will know this question, be more familiar with it, but uh, do you see the Detroit Pistons being a playoff team or a playing team this season? Uh, God, I hope so, but uh, <laughs> I would have to say, I think Monty, you'll definitely see the improvements of a better coach honestly than I know Dwayne Casey is a good coach I think he'll do better in a front office role than a coaching but you'll definitely see an improvement from like Cade Cunningham and you'll see the improvement with guards like Jaden Ivey he could really pop off this year 
but they're just so young. Like, the longest tenured Piston now is Killian Hayes, who was drafted in 2020, and that is not a Whoa. good thing. And they might trade Bogdan Bojanovic, or Bohan Bojanovic, or it's hard to... They, they this one's their, Bohan, yeah. Bohan, yes. Yeah. So they'll like probably, three of them. They are very similar names, but they'll probably trade him for some picks, maybe some more young guys, maybe someone that just got drafted, but... I think you'll see that they're improved. If they can get around the 30 win, 30 to 35 win, then that, that would be considered a victory. And I think Monty Williams will get it really – he'll be able to get a second free agent class. He'll be able to get, a, you know, another draft class under his belt. And I think that that following season you could see the Pistons really take the next step. Okay, uh, they should. I know they got good talent, young core, and now just the coaching. They should at least be able to make it a seventh seed. But uh, switching gears, I-, I got a question. Has any college football team won the championship three years in a row in, like, the last 40 years? Uh, I'd have to go back. Was there some – was it Colorado or Nebraska in the 90s? I thought, Maybe. We're, I we're thought, Googling it for you. I thought one of those won three. Maybe it was three out of four, though. Because I know Bama keeps going. It may have been Nebraska. It may have been Nebraska long ago. Uh, if or anything, Oklahoma. I think it would be Nebraska. But uh, furthermore, do you see Georgia doing the three-feet this coming season? Yeah, I mean, again, history says it's going to be very difficult. I, I think that clearly, though, they're going to be uh, one of the, the top couple of teams. I mean, I, I think that – when you factor in what they've got on the schedule this year, again, I'm not blaming anybody, not not taking away from anybody. They play who they play. Uh, but I just don't see many opportunities for them to lose in the regular season. I, I think that maybe, uh, you know, I mean, they, they handled Tennessee and Athens last year. So, you know, maybe Tennessee has a small chance of revenge. But, again, they, they, they're, they don't have a huge non-conference game this year because it got wiped away with the Big 12 teams coming over. Uh, and they don't play themselves and that whole thing. And I just I, I think they're a lot to be at least eleven and one coming into a title game, and they might be twelve and zero. So uh, they they will probably be in the playoff from there. We'll see how Alabama's quarterback play is. We'll see what Ohio State's got post CJ Stroud as they try to get yet another good quarterback. Uh, but but again, and we'll see what Caleb Williams at USC if Lincoln Riley's figured out that defense is necessary at times. <laughs> but but George is going to be right there. So the last three Pete for a college football champion was Minnesota Whoa. from 1934 to 1936. So uh, there, there's your answer there. <laughs> We're in the Great Depression was the last time it was a three feet. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, furthermore, you don't see Georgia. Uh, Getting upset by the Auburn Tigers and he freeze because I sure as hell don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I, I I certainly would be hopeful, but I think uh, of the Georgia and Alabama persuasion, I think Auburn's got a better shot at, at Alabama due to where it is at the end of the season, due to the recent history at home of Auburn always being able to play uh, Alabama pretty well, and and uh, with Georgia's side of things, I. I Again, I think George will be a little little tougher and a little bit uh, big of a test for just the first half of the season. Okay, I want to finish up with one final just a scenario, just gauge the room. All right, guys, you got fourth and goal on the one. What formation are you doing and what play are you doing? What team do I have? It's up to you. Okay. Fourth and goal at the one. Uh Man, I mean, is it like a? Is it? A, I don't know. I always 
This is going to sound boring, but... QB sneak. Yeah. yeah. QB sneak works 90% of the time. <laughs> it's an effective play. Um, if I can't go like QB sneak... I wish I would have like some sort of mobile quarterback. You know how dive. Uh, how Florida would run uh, Tebow in like a Gator heavy formation, where it's kind of like abbreviated shotgun, and there's got a couple tight ends and a fullback back there, that sort of thing. Um, if I only had one shot at it, it'd be something like that. But again, if my if I'm used to passing millions of times per game, then I don't know if I'm trying to get a big physical formation out there. So I might. Have some sort of uh, misdirection, but carry on Johnson pop pass, pop pass. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that too. So as an air raid guy, I'm going five wide, and oh, I have. Oh no. uh, all right, I got one guy running a slant over the middle. I have one guy running kind of a stick route. Then on the other side, I got my tight end, you know, running like a curl. Then on the and then I have the same thing going on the other side. So and of course, if all else fails, and get the quarterback to. Uh, Try to scramble, maybe dive in, but yeah, I'm going with the air raid there. So. <laughs> that's, that's that's why you're a, a sports guy, a radio pig. and I'll stay the coach. But I'm going wing right, fullback dive. That's what I'm doing. Nice fullback dive. So, yeah. But all right, fellas, I hope y'all have a good Friday. Don't uh, don't get the intern too much trouble, and I'll uh, talk to y'all next week. So, War Eagle. War Eagle sounds good, Jackson. That is Jackson from Montgomery. Joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We do need to take our next time out of the show. When we, we'll, when we come back, we will play that Brandon Hutchinson interview again. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. We're now pleased to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. And we're now joined by Brandon Hutchinson, the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway. Brandon, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Getting ready for the race this weekend, and I appreciate the time with you guys today. Thank you very much. Absolutely, we know Atlanta one of the one of, if not maybe the closest race uh, that's held from from our studios here in Auburn. So not to take a bad drive up the interstate at all. We're really excited uh, to have you on, Brandon. Talk Atlanta as uh, we've seen obviously huge changes in this track over the. The last few years, going from a, a, a rough surface that drivers adored, that, that got them loose, and 
had them uh, fighting the car all the way around. Now to a drafting track. I mean, what uh, what kind of went into that decision, and, and how do you think it's playing out so far? You know, a lot went into that, to that decision. Of course, it was it was inevitable that we were going to have to repay at some point. And in doing that, going through that process, we decided we wanted to take a look at, at something new, special, and different, which is what our company, Speedway Motorsports, is known for, and decided ultimately to take the banking from 24 degrees to 28 degrees, and it completely changed the dynamic of racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And if you've seen racing on the new configuration, it is the most compelling, exciting racing on the NASCAR circuit. If you're familiar with Daytona or Talladega, we are still a intermediate length track that races like a super speedway. So drafting, side-by-side racing, lots of passes for position, lots of passes for the lead. It's 400 miles of white-knuckle racing for the drivers and 400 miles of edge-of-your-seat entertainment for the fans. And Brandon, I assume that, that played a large role, too, in the, in the move for NASCAR to go back from having one date at the track to two over these last few years. How proud are you to have be one of the few tracks? There's not a lot of tracks anymore, especially ovals, that have two dates. So uh, just how proud of you and how much, do you, uh, how much do you think it came into play that, that is a different style track now? You know, I'm proud of our company. I'm proud of our entire team here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's not something that happened overnight. Obviously, we had had two races for a long, long time since our our inaugural year in in 1960. Um, So to get that second race back after a decade off was extremely exciting. Certainly makes us proud to have two NASCAR races in the state of Georgia in Henry County. And Atlanta Motor Speedway, because like you said, you don't see that too much these days. We're most uh, we're one of the most iconic historical racetracks, been around just about longer than everybody, with the exception of probably Daytona and Tar- Tal- or, uh, Darlington. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. We've had Supercross, Monster Jam, NASCAR, high school graduation, car and truck shows, state fairs this year. So. This is a culmination of five months, really, of action here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And, Brandon, you talk about all the history that's around Atlanta Motor Speedway. More history is being made this weekend. Uh, is Kevin Harvick making his last ever start at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. What, do you all have anything special planned to, to send him out on, the, on a high note, or is it just uh, hoping he gets the win there? I don't think there's any higher note than if he could get the win here. But, yeah, he got his first win here back in 2001 after the untimely death of Dale Earnhardt and what an emotional special win that was for him Richard Childress the entire team at that point he edged out Jeff Gordon by six one thousandths of a second to get his first win to have him race here for the last time after he's seen so much success will certainly be cool to see will be fun to watch play out We are bringing that 29 car, his very first victory car, out of the museum in Welcome, North Carolina, bringing it down here to Atlanta Motor Speedway. It hasn't been out of the museum since that day. Richard Childress is going to be our grand marshal. And we've got a a couple things we're going to give to Kevin over the course of the weekend as well. So uh, it's going to be a fun weekend for sure. 
as you mentioned, that, that close finish. And Atlanta's seen a lot of epic finishes. And, you know, sometimes that's not necessarily the case on, on ovals. And I now know that with the drafting element back, we're going to see a lot of f- photo finishes and, and battles to the end. But what about Atlanta has made it so special in terms of having some, some classic finishes in the sport? Yeah, we've been known for some of the closest finishes in NASCAR history. You know, we have been an extremely racy racetrack for years and years and years. From 1960 to March of 1997, we were a 1.5, 1.522 mile true oval. In November of 97, we became a 1.54 mile quad oval. In 2021, as we just talked about, we increased the banking. So we've got a lot of history. We've got a lot of tradition. And we keep changing things to make sure that we're providing the most entertaining events for our fans as we possibly can. And you see that in a lot of what takes place here. And like you said, now that we're a drafting track, when they drop the green flag on Saturday and Sunday, anybody out there has a chance to win this race. Last July, Corey LaJoy LaJoy was three-quarters of a lap from his first victory. That would have been really cool. But Chase Elliott got his first win at his home track here at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and that was fun to see, too. Well, Brandon, you mentioned you know being entertaining for the fans, and we, we all know that does not just mean what's on the track. It also means what's going on around the track. I know you all got things started last night with the big 4th of July fireworks display, and then coming up this weekend, I, I'm looking at this list. you all got a lot of uh, big-name uh, music acts that are going to be there this weekend to entertain the fans. Absolutely. Chapel Hart from America's Got Talent is going to play. Lone Star is going to play. Andy Grammer is going to play the pre-race concert. We've got five concerts over the next five days. Tuesday's Gone, which is a Leonard Skinner tribute band, is going to be playing in the Peach Pit Friday night. We've got a mechanical bull, a laser show, fireworks down there in the Peach Pit Friday night. We've got biking under the lights here tonight. Families that are camping with us will have a chance to get their bicycles out on track to do a lap. It's about making sure that if you choose to spend your money to come to Atlanta Motor Speedway, we give you every opportunity to have a good time, even when cars aren't on track. And how important is it? Is that part of it, Brandon? Because we saw... You know, NASCAR's been doing some different things here recently, and they they did the Chicago Street Race last week. And, man, the the rain made it just as tough as possible uh, on everybody. Uh, But but how important is it to try and and create, I guess, value throughout the entire weekend and not just on Race Sunday? Well, it's critical, right? I mean, we're all paying more for everything these days, unfortunately. At Atlanta Motor Speedway, we haven't gone up in ticket prices for years. Kids are free on Saturday for the Alsco Uniforms 250. Kids are only 10 bucks for the Quaker State 400 available at Walmart. I like to say we're cheaper than a matinee movie. And just making sure not only we have the entertainment, but we've got price points that work for everybody that, that wants to come see a NASCAR race. Because while we're known as a world-class racing facility, What we really want to be known for is a world-class entertainment facility. We're going to have 650 miles of racing under the lights this weekend. But as important to us, again, is to make sure that when cars aren't on track, we're giving our fans something to do, something to entertain them. Because, hey, it is a big time, it's a big event, 
and we treat it like that. We've been preparing for this race since the checkered flag fell last July, and our fans will notice that when they get here this week. So, Brandon, I was doing some research, and I've seen that you've been with Atlanta since 1995, and that overlaps with something that despite I, I have a fair knowledge of NASCAR. I watch every week and, and, and know a good number of things. Apparently, there was a road course at Atlanta in the mid-'90s that operated for a few years. What in the world can you tell me about that? It's still here. We got a one-mile infield road course. We can connect it with the mile-and-a-half track to get a two-and-a-half-mile road course. We've had some champ car races in there before. We've had some motorcycle racing in there before. It's not conducive to NASCAR-style racing, so let's not, uh, let's not get too excited <laughs> about a, a potential roval at Atlanta Motor Speedway. But, yeah, again, it just plays into our entire event portfolio. It gives us an opportunity to, to give people, maybe it's a new line automobile introduction, maybe it's go-kart racing, maybe it's a different style of, of activity that would work on the road course. And it's important to us that we have that here. We're known for tons of movie shoots, movie productions. We're known for car and truck shows, AMA Supercross, Monster Jam, as I said earlier. It just gives us the opportunity to continue expanding our event portfolio. And then, Brandon, I, I know that with all these changes that uh, NASCAR has been making and alluded to the Chicago race last week and the, the, neat, the, you know, the desire for NASCAR, they've been shifting up and going to more uh, road courses, but also you know, with Atlanta becoming a drafting track now, more drafting track races do you feel like you're well positioned in the future because again with nascar making these changes it seems like one of the most if not the most entertaining form of nascar is is drafting track races because everyone has a chance to win it i mean did that go kind of part into the planning of of making it into that kind of track and and just uh what do you think of these changes that nascar has been implementing the last few years that's a great question and and no i'd be lying to you if i I said we had a crystal ball, and, and that went into the design that we chose. We really were trying to think of what would be, as I said earlier, new, special, and different. There hadn't been a high bank. We're the steepest mile-and-a-half track on the circuit. I think we're positioned well for long into the future, long after I'm gone, and I'm just coming back again as a fan um, this type of racing, it gives fans just about everything they could possibly want. Even if you've got that fan that says they're not a fan of the pack style racing, I would argue you've got passes for position all over the field. You've got changes for the lead throughout the day. It lends itself for the opportunity for a, four, uh, for a few more accidents, which if, if we were all being honest, we kind of like the, the accidents a little bit. Um, so it's very compelling. You never know who's going to win. You know, a lot of tracks you show up and you're like, yeah, I can probably name five guys that have the best shot to win this weekend. Unless you have a Chicago street style race where the, the sunset kind of changes the trajectory of the whole race. But you come to Atlanta Motor Speedway and anybody can win. And we've seen that over the last couple of races. And I have no, uh, I have no doubt we'll see that here this weekend with both of our races on Saturday and Sunday night. Absolutely. Talking to Brandon Hutchinson, the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway. Again, Brandon, the time's been greatly appreciated. We 
are only about two hours away, maybe an hour and a half if we want to start getting in on the racing ourselves. Uh, but how can all of our listeners uh, purchase tickets this weekend and be a part of the fun? Yeah, you're probably right at two hours away. Um, I get over to uh, Lake Martin quite a bit, so I'm, I'm, I know exactly where you are. And, and it's, not too, it's not too far away. You know, you listeners can go to AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com. They can pick a price point that works best for them. We've got, again, kids' tickets are free on Saturday. Kids' tickets are only 10 bucks on Sunday. We've got college pricing, price tickets. We've got military price tickets. So go to AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com, pick a price point that works best for you, and come and see us. Well, Brandon, since you know exactly where we are, we expect to listen next time you're in the area. Hey, absolutely. No doubt about it. Next time I'm out on the lake, I'll take a listen to you. Love to get over to uh, to the stadium as much as I can. We won't talk about that too much because I'm afraid I would turn some of your listeners off. Um, but, yeah, love the area. It's a great place to be, and um, I come see y'all a lot. Y'all need to come see us. Absolutely. That sounds like a, a plan. Brandon Hutchison today on Sports Call with us. Brandon, time's greatly appreciated. We hope everything goes well this weekend, and we'll talk again down the line. Hey, listen, I really do appreciate the time and any of your listeners that choose to come to Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. I appreciate them choosing to spend their money with us, and we'll do the very very best we can to make sure they have a great time. Absolutely. We look forward to it. We appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you very much. That is Brandon Hutchinson, again, the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway, joining us today on Sports Call. Hope everyone can go out and attend uh, two really fun races this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. One final timeout in this hour of Sports Call. Back to wrap it up right after this. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Shoulders, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. About to wrap things up here in just a couple minutes. Again, appreciate Brandon Hutchinson for joining us there. That was a little bit earlier this week. Atlanta Motor Speedway, the host of the NASCAR Xfinity Series and NASCAR Cup Series this weekend. Saturday night for Xfinity, Sunday night 
for the Cup Series. Just a few minutes left in the show as we try to do each and every Friday. Time for What to Watch For Over the Weekend. Sports Calls, What to Watch For Over the Weekend. All right, What to Watch For Over the Weekend, Brooks. Of course, the NASCAR Cup Series, as we just talked about. Uh, Race 19 of the year. We are officially halfway through the Cup season. Yes, it's a long one, uh, and I like it that way. (laughs) But uh, eight more races to go. Until the playoffs, Chase Elliott won in Atlanta last year in this race. Still in need of a win this year, but uh, and I heard and you said your uh, brother's going to the Xfinity Series this weekend. Yeah, he texted me last night and said, "Hey, I'm going to the Xfinity race on Saturday night." And I was like, "That's cool because it's it's going to be one. It's going to be his first Xfinity race, both either of our first Xfinity race. So it's going to be his first Xfinity race, and it's the first time he's been to a, a top tier NASCAR event away from Talladega. We've only been to Talladega. He gets a little change of scenery there, but yeah, Chase Elliott looking for a looking for a, a win. Second year, this would be the second year in a row he would win at his his quote hometown track home state track uh there in atlanta hopefully he can he can get things turned around here on the season but it's been an exciting season so far and with all the changes that have happened there at atlanta motor speedway over the last couple years to convert that into more of a, a restrictor plate track it's, it's allowed for some exciting racing and uh that that trend looks to continue this weekend especially with uh kevin harvick's last ride at, at atlanta too Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. Cam Barry, a big Braves baseball series before the All-Star break. Braves and Rays inside the Trop in St. Petersburg. I can't wait. Obviously, tonight it's on Apple TV, so a lot of people can't watch. So, (laughs) boo. Um, But tomorrow it'll be in primetime on Fox, and then obviously on Sunday it'll be on Bally. So, uh, they'll be able to watch the next two games at the very least. But tonight you can listen to it on our sister I, station, AM 1230 WAUD. Yes. And that sounds amazing. Yes. Very, very great. I just like to watch baseball. <laughs> I just like to watch them as well. So, yeah. Look, but you got a, an hour love and a half li- drive. Love listening to it on WAUD. True. I, I am driving to Birmingham, so I really could listen to the game. True. And so you can listen to the game on our, our normal signal for a little while. or I'm going to do it on the app. Exactly. I was about to say, to get it all the way there, because you're only going to get a few minutes of it on AUD, our Tiger Communications app. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to do that, honestly. Um, Enjoy enjoy uh, listening to the game and make my way to Birmingham, and hopefully the Braves can get a win uh, uh, and at least win the series. That's always what you try to do is win the series. Um, And and the Rays are obviously coming off five five losses in a row, so they're going to be pretty determined to kind of get back. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. And then, TP, you can have your pick here. There's two more items. They're lesser valued for the average sports fan, but they are pretty big. Uh, Gold Cup for the United States to play Canada Sunday night in the Gold Cup semis, trying to win another gold after winning a few years back. And then also Wimbledon continues uh, this weekend. Uh, first first few rounds of that going in the round 16. I have no idea if you like tennis or volleyball whatsoever. But So I'll go with the soccer. I'll go with the Gold Cup. <laughs> Fair. Uh, because I know very, very little about tennis. It's one of the few sports I don't know much about. But the Gold Cup, you know, I will be tuned in. I'll be tuned in to the Gold Cup. I believe that the USA has a pretty good chance of doing something pretty good. Uh they play Canada, right? Yeah. Yes. So that I mean, Canada. What they did a they did pretty decent, and they've been really on the rise. So that definitely should be a good match to watch on Sunday uh, in the quarterfinal. I think the USA will win that. I think they will advance. I don't know who they would play after that. I'd have to 
it's oh, Brooks, you got it? It's between the so the luckily because the US won the group, they get to avoid Mexico until you a potential meetup in the final. So the other quarterfinal that the US has matched up against is Panama and the invited guest, Qatar. Okay. okay. Well, I would feel very good about uh, the USA versus Panama and Qatar. So I think USA is uh, U.S. soccer fans like Mr. Brooks here should uh, be very. They, they will watch Canada, and if we are able to get past our friends from the north, uh, I think it'll be a good time. So, so that is sports calls want to watch for over the weekend. A bunch of different sporting events again. Not maybe in the football world, not in the whole shebang, but. Everything well, from Braves, well, well football. Well, world. no, no, no. There is Canadian football. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ottawa yeah. is facing the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Jeremiah Masoli, former <laughs> Oregon quarterback, go is making his Winnipeg Blue, Bomb, Blue Bombers. All right. Well, uh, I should have mentioned there CFL then. I, I'm sorry. Now I, you I know. Dropped, I dropped the It'll be on the CBSSN. Any, if, and a bonus pick for any uh, folks that want to uh, relive Alabama losing to LSU <laughs> last year in football. SEC Network tonight at eight o'clock or seven o'clock. The LSU takeovers tonight. Gotcha. There's also UFC, but there you go. That, that I think we've covered it all now, and that is sports calls <laughs> what to watch for over the weekend. Down to just a minute or two left of the show time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's sports calls nightly TV guide. Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? Uh, we'll start out in the movie world tonight, 6 o'clock on AMC, Jurassic Park, the original. Great movie. Classic movie. Why we should not be messing life around with... Uh, yeah, life finds a way. We should not be messing around with bringing things back from extinction. That's <laughs> the, This is the, mov- the movie that started it all. Also at 6 o'clock, your uh, Marvel fix for the evening, Iron Man 2, starring Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And then 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon, your family movie for tonight. Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. It's your family pick movie for the evening. What a fantastic so Can that movie. be the motto of an Italian restaurant? Uh, it should be. Nice it should trademarked. be. And only open <laughs> on uh, on rainy days. Uh, then Sports World Tonight, back-to-back on ESPN2, starting off at 6. And then 7, it's American Cornhole Leagues for your Friday night oh in the summer. Gosh. Whoa. Uh, then also tonight... Uh, there, you may have heard this thing. It's called the NBA Summer League is tonight on ESPN. Might starting have. at six, 6 o'clock, it's the Portland Trailblazers taking on the Houston Rockets. Then at 8 o'clock tonight, it's the debut of the top two picks in the NBA. Uh, well, I say the debut. Brandon Miller's already gotten a little bit of action. The yeah, California he's already Classic. found plenty of time. So. Uh, Victor Wembanyama though, makes his debut with the San Antonio Spurs at 8 o'clock. And then later tonight, the Warriors play, don't they? The 10 o'clock game tonight. Uh, I don't remember who exactly Lakers. they're playing. The Lakers. Oh, it's the California Classic, but in Vegas this time. And then, of course, tonight at 9 o'clock on CNBC, if you want some uh, outdoor track and field action, the USA Track and Field Outdoor Championships are on. And that is Look at Your Nightly TV Guide, brought to you by our friends at White Fantastic. Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here the last few days. We'll uh, see you again next week. Sprinting to the finish. We'll see you then. T.P. Hammock, our intern, thank you for being here. First full show under the bu- or under the belts. And, I had a blast. Uh, appreciate you. We'll see you again next week. And then Cam Berry, thank you for being here. Be safe going up uh, to the ham this weekend. And we'll see you again next week. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. See you next week. That will uh, do it for the show today and for the week. Again, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For TP Hammock, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.